Hello. Welcome back. Welcome to the Joyful Courage Podcast, a place for inspiration and transformation as we work to keep it together while parenting our tweens and teens. This is real work, people. And when we can focus on our own growth and nurturing the connection with our kids, we can move through the turbulence in a way that allows for relationships to remain intact. My name's Casey O'Rourke. I am your fearless host. I'm a positive discipline trainer, space holder, coach, and the adolescent lead at Sproutable. Also, mama to a 20-year-old daughter and a 17-year-old son. I am walking right beside you on the path of raising our kids with positive discipline and conscious parenting. This show is meant to be a resource to you, and I work really hard to keep it really real, transparent, and authentic so that you feel seen and supported. Today is a solo show, and I'm confident that what I share will be useful to you. Please don't forget, sharing truly is caring. If you love today's show, please, please pass the link around, snap a screenshot, post it on your socials, or text it to your friends. Together, we can make an even bigger impact on families around the globe. If you're feeling extra special, you can rate and review us over in Apple Podcasts. I'm so glad that you're here. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Enjoy the show. Hey, so hi, you and me, Thursday. What did you think about part two of the art of connected parenting? I am really proud of what we're putting out and of my team. I think it's really useful and it's so fun to work on this project with my business partners. I get to connect with guests every week here for the show, which I love, of course, but a lot of this podcast work is pretty solo, especially obviously these solo shows. It's just me in my office talking into a mic, imagining people are going to listen, appreciating what I say, being able to come together and record the way that the three of us did over a period of time. It was so fun. It was so fun to have them drop in to what we're doing. And you guys, you know that we have a video component to this limited series, right? Did you know that? You can actually watch the shows on YouTube. (laughs) I don't know why that makes me laugh. It just kind of does. You get to see us, you know, banter with each other and the interactions that we have as we recorded The Art of Connected Parenting. And it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun to watch. Although, honestly, even when I sign up for webinars, I'm usually listening, like putting it in my pocket and taking a walk or driving or, you know, doing something else running around. I don't often sit and watch, but you can if you want to. So there's that. I hope that you listened. This week was part two. We talk about guilt and shame and the parenting journey. And yeah, that's a lot of fun. I think it's something we've all navigated. It's part of this process, especially in the teen years, because I mean, geez, things go sideways. And that practice of separating our teen's behavior from our self-worth, it's real. I mean, I know you maybe you're one of those people out there who's like, no, I get that. That's theirs. That's not a reflection on me. That's all them, which great. Congratulations on being detached like that. 
I'm mostly detached, but definitely, I mean, I think for me, the work that I do, (laughs) it's either like, oh my God, things are going down in my life. How could I possibly call myself a parent educator or a parent coach? But I mean, I guess that kind of started happening for me early on, like when Rowan was just coming into high school and things got really hard. But I quickly realized like, oh no, this is actually really useful to my work. And it was useful to me personally because I really got to sit inside of like, she's on her own path. She's making her own choices. Were there things that I could do better? Of course, always, right? That's my own personal growth. But as far as just kind of letting go of what her behavior says about me, I think because of my work, I was able to do that. But there's still times where I'm like, oh my God, what does this say about me as a parent, you know? And so anyway, guilt and shame, it's real. It happens to all of us. And we're going to get more into that. I want to get a little bit vulnerable before we get into the content and ask you again. And actually lately, I've been getting a lot of feedback about the solo shows. I've been getting a lot of feedback from people just talking about how much the content is resonating with them, which makes sense because I really am so inspired by the community, by my membership, by my clients, you know, by what I'm seeing out in the world. I'm not just like pulling this stuff out of thin air. So it makes sense to me that it's resonating. I love hearing it, but you know what I really need you to do? You listener who's listening and appreciating All of this, I need you to write a review on Apple Podcasts. Even if you don't use Apple, even if you listen through Spotify or Amazon or our website or one of the other places where you can listen to podcasts, even if you don't listen on Apple Podcasts, it still is so useful for the show for people to leave a five-star rating and to write a review. It kicks up this algorithm, right? The more reviews we have, the more likely it is that Apple is going to offer the show and put it in front of more and more people and parents looking for support. And the continued growth of the show is insurance that the show will continue to be around. Actually pay money to put out the podcast. The advertising that you've been hearing over the past year or so has been so great and puts a dent into what I'm paying to do the podcast, but I'm still out money at the end of every month. And I have this amazing editor that I've worked with for the last, I don't know, Chris, what's it been? Seven years? He does such an amazing job. He makes the show sound good. And, you know, he's worth what I pay him. So anyway, I need your help. I create the show for all of us. Please, please, please leave a review on Apple Podcast. Anytime you hear content that you love, right? You can leave more than one review. Send the link to your show, to your friends, to your family. I know, I think I say this in the intros or the outros, but I'm gonna say it again because it's really important. Shout it out on social media, tag me. I'll shout you out when I see it. Let me know. Let the world know that this is useful so that more people listen, right? Because living in a world full of parents, learning how to be better for their teens makes the world a better place for everyone, right? And you can be on that mission with me by leaving a review, sharing the show, all those things. And if you follow me on Instagram, 
I have a little highlight on my Instagram page that shows you step-by-step how to leave a review. It's not hard. You can do it. Yeah. So on Monday's show, Julietta and I both shared stories, right? I'm going to get into the content here. And this is what kind of prompted me to create this show this week. So Julietta and I both shared some stories about getting calls from school about our kids' behavior. She talked about, you know, her youngest. I talked about my oldest. And I work with a lot of parents who are in a lot of conversations with schools, with teachers and administrators about their kids' behavior. And it can be exhausting and discouraging, especially when the school holds a consequence-based mindset, right? And which kind of blows my mind, actually, that that is still a thing. Because when I think about being a teacher, which I was many years ago, many years ago, it was so important to me to keep learning and growing, to keep better understanding kids and the environment that helps them thrive. I would do trainings anytime I could, like go to trainings to keep learning. And man, I also get that the kids right now are really struggling and hurting and have mental health issues and high anxiety pandemic, all the things, they're being corralled into spaces where many of them don't want to be. And staff members, teachers, paraeducators, they're all expected to play so many roles, right? Like not just teacher, but, you know, counselor, social worker, you know, disciplinarian. I understand that it can feel impossible for teachers. I get that. And I still think that We all are going to feel better in our work with young people if we keep a solution mindset, right? So I get a little discouraged when the teachers are like, okay, your kid is disrupting my class, right? Your kid's disrupting my class. So you need to lay down the law at home. And there's so many layers, right? There's so many layers that are happening for kids. It's their social perspective, right? How can I be safe in this environment? What does that look like? Who do I need to be to feel safe, to feel connected, to feel belonging? And that feels more like a bigger pull than how does my teacher want me to behave, right? And then there's kids who are not understanding the content, who have learning differences, and are anxious all day long as they think about walking into that class. There's the kids who know that the teachers do not like them or have that perception and they're walking into that environment. Or there's kids that, you know, have sensory wiring that the chaos of being in a space with 30 other adolescents is so much. They're on high alert. Their amygdala is just like ready to blow, safety radar you know, just calculating what's happening in the classroom, not to mention any trauma that they're walking in with. Like there's so many layers to the experiences our kids are having in the classroom. And the idea that all it takes is the parent at home saying, hey, listen, you know what? Math class, it's really just, it's important that you keep your body calm, that you listen, right? (laughs) That you listen to the teacher and you're not disruptive. So you need to do that. And if you can't do that, you know, you're grounded this weekend. 
all of those things that are happening under the surface for your kids are going to take precedence over your threat of grounding them or whatever. Yeah, if they don't comply. So it's tricky, right? And you get to decide how you show up for your kid, right? When you do get that call, when you do get that email, right? Yes, absolutely. We want to be allies and advocates for the teachers. I think we need to be, you know, grateful and gracious while also taking a stand for our kids. They do things that get them in trouble, right? We get a call from the school or another parent or maybe the police. Ugh. What's the first thing that happens when I say that? Oh my God, I am so embarrassed right now, right? Like even just thinking about getting these calls makes my stomach get kind of queasy. And then we... In those moments of embarrassment and disbelief and maybe disgust, depending on what it is that our kid has done, we turn towards them with all of that emotion intact. And what do we do? What do we do? We look at them and we say, how could you? What were you thinking? What the hell? Do you know how this makes me look? Why would you do this to our family? Right? Maybe we don't use those exact words. But we go on the attack, right? We are filled with guilt and shame. And then we're like, ah, this doesn't feel good for me to hold. So I'm going to pass it on because you're the person that actually created this situation that I'm now a part of. So you need to feel it too, right? They are ultimately the source of this embarrassment. And in order to appease the people who are calling, we need to let our kids know that what they've done is not okay. Right. And usually we do that in a blamey or shamey way. We get really angry. We get really dysregulated. I mean, I get that that's the feeling. It's okay to have these feelings, right? Like, oh my God, again, I thought you were getting it together. I thought we were done with this behavior. You know, like, how is it that you're the kid that's creating all the disruption? You know, I get that there's a lot of emotion that shows up when we get these reports from the schools or coaches or, you know, whoever the adult is that's letting us in on our kids' mischief, of course, we're going to feel emotional about it. But hold up, right? Hold up because laying it all on top of our kid in that moment when we're emotional is not useful, right? And it's not going to solve our problems. So I've been getting groceries from Hungry Root for the last few months, and I am loving it. I use it to keep healthy snacks in the house, and I also order a few meal kits that are easy go-tos during the week. What I love is the variety that shows up in the box. Crunchy snacks, sweets, breakfast smoothies, whatever I've clicked as wanting comes to my door. My dietary wishes are different than my family's. The boys, Ben and Ian, they're always trying to build muscle and gain weight. I am not. Hungry Root gives so many options. It meets all of our needs. In our last box, we got cilantro lime chicken with jasmine rice, and it literally took me seven minutes to put together. Listen, after working all day and doing all the things for the fam, seven minutes to throw together dinner works for me. And the ingredients are good, like high quality good. Everything from Hungry Root follows a simple standard. It's got to taste good, be quick to make, and contain whole trusted ingredients. 
Save hours of planning, shopping, and cooking. Let Hungry Root deliver the food you love. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Joyful Courage podcast listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash joy and get 40% off your first delivery and those free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash joy. Don't forget to use our link so that they know we sent you. This podcast is sponsored by Factor. Are you old enough to remember TV dinners? They came in those tin trays and each part of the meal had its own little compartment. I remember eating those and watching Happy Days, followed by Three's Company, maybe a little Laverne and Shirley. I am that old. Well, the situation has been totally upgraded by Factor. Factor makes delicious, ready-to-eat meals. And unlike those quick meals of the past, every Meal from Factor is fresh, never frozen, chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including meals that are calorie smart, protein plus, and keto if that's your thing. Also, there's more than 60 add ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. In my last order, we got red chicken chili, tamale bowls, and Italian sausage pizza casserole, as well as other delicious meals that my family loved. Plus, there's breakfast and smoothies and all sorts of other add-ons to make life simpler while also keeping it healthy. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. They've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Right now, head to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use code joyful50 to get 50% off. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50 to get 50% off. You know, sometimes whoever it is that's calling us, you know, depending on their delivery of the information, we might lash out at that person. That's the bearer of the bad news about our kids, right? Further disconnecting ourselves from the people that would be beneficial teammates on this journey of parenting our kids, right? And man, we're already feeling plenty of self-doubt. The last thing we need is for people to show up and pile on more, right? I get it. I understand how heavy and complicated and annoying and exhausted, exhausting, all of this is. I get it. And I think that the grownups can do a better job of navigating all of this, of navigating ourselves so as to actually do a better job of solving, helping our kids solve whatever the problem is that they're having that's making it difficult for them to show up well to life right now, right? So what do we do? You have heard me talk a lot about seeing the teen in front of us, right? I feel like that's been like my tagline lately, seeing the teen in front of us, seeing the teen underneath the behavior that they're displaying. It's like imagining that there's a curtain and the curtain is made up of all the shit, all the things, all the behaviors, the discouragement, the disconnection right? The fronting, the armor. If we could just like part that curtain and behind that, there's our kiddo. There's the soul or the essence of our kids. I know I say this a lot and I'm going to keep saying it because I think we hear it differently every time, right? 
So what do we do? We got to part those curtains, see the teen and connect with their strengths. And they have them. They have strengths. Even that kiddo of yours who you feel like, oh my gosh, they sleep till noon. They're, you know, perhaps using substances. They're not doing any homework. They're not helping out around the house. They're just taking up space. What do you mean? Find their strengths. Well, I know it's stretchy. But remember that just because your child's strengths are dormant right now doesn't mean that they've completely gone away, right? Remember when our kids were little and we say, your child's not being a problem, they're having a problem, right? The same is true when we move into adolescence. The same is true even for those of you that are listening who have like 19, 20-year-olds, 21-year-olds who are struggling to launch, right? They're not being a problem. They're having a problem. And your job is to help them uncover what it is that's holding them back. And listen, they're having a hard time. Their beliefs about themselves, how they fit into the world, whether or not they matter, that might be getting in the way for them. And if we're persistent and hardworking, if they were persistent and hardworking and resilient before, when they were younger, before, you know, things took a turn, all of that still lives inside of them, which means they can tap back into it. They might need to be reminded of those skills and characteristics that are there, right? They might need to be reminded of those strengths and encouraged to be willing to animate them Again, and, and you know, I know I talk a lot about my own kids, but I think a lot about Rowan, who, you know, up until high school was really into school. She really enjoyed learning. She enjoyed going to school. You know, when she was eighth grade, end of eighth grade, ninth grade for sure, she just got so blindsided by this increase in social anxiety. I mean, to the point, as you all know, where she had to completely opt out of life for a while, like a significant while. Those of you that listen to the podcast regularly, you know, I mean, she had a few years there where it was pretty bleak. And, you know, she's 21. She's getting ready to move into a new apartment her second apartment, she's in college, she's recognizing the places where she has gaps, but she is enjoying learning, right? She is rediscovering and reanimating and has been for the last couple of years. The strengths that the beginning of the development of those strengths happened when she was much younger, right? They don't go away. They might go dormant, but they don't go away, right? And I think it's really important for us as the caregivers, the parents, the adults in their lives, we get to be the reminders. We get to gently remind them that those strengths continue to exist in their body, continue to exist for them to lean on. And I think, you know, when things go sideways, when our teens, and not all teens, this isn't everybody, but I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, probably things go sideways in one way or the other (laughs) with your teens. And, you know, when teachers and administrators, when people, the adults in our kids' lives call us coaches, we, and, you know, complain about our kids, we get to invite those people as well to reflect on our kids' strengths. 
right? And it's an opportunity to encourage those adults to get to know our kids a bit better if they can't name our kids' strengths. I know that Ian has always done the best in school when he's had a good relationship with the teacher. Like that makes such a difference in his behavior, in his willingness to work hard. It's huge. And as a former teacher, you know, I taught elementary school. I didn't teach middle or high school where there's, you know, over a hundred kids that you see throughout the day. I had a smaller sample. I know that it takes time and effort to build relationship with each of the kids in the class, but it is a win for everyone, right? It's a win for everyone when our kids know that the adult cares about them and sees their strengths and wants to be solution-minded and connected. They're gonna show up differently in the classroom. And so... What that means is when we get called in to talk to the team about our kiddo, we get to guide the conversation towards that. What is the solution? What does connection look like? How can we build the relationships between the adults and my kiddo in this building so that my kid can show up better and everyone can, you know, do their job? So, yeah. And you know, this isn't about like sugar coating or snow plowing or rescuing our kids. This isn't about being a helicopter. This isn't about solving our kids' problems for them. There's still accountability and amends and tough conversations when our kids have made a mistake for sure. But we get to rally the troops that interact with our kids on the daily and make sure the come from is we are all on this kid's team. How can we stay solution focused? How can we make sure that my kid, our kid, this kid feels seen in this process, right? We get to be the advocate for our kids. And, you know, sometimes you're going to run into adults that just are in their own resistance to that mindset. And they're really old school and they might hold this idea idea that, no, these are the rules and your kid doesn't follow them, so there's consequences. Well, yeah, sometimes those people exist and we get to help our kids recognize that that's real and relevant and what are they going to do, right? How are they going to make it so this adult isn't the one that's influencing the experience our kids are having? Where can our kid take some power? (laughs) And by taking power, I don't mean like being super disruptive, right? So this week, I listened to a webinar with Dr. John Duffy, who you've already heard me mention. I think I talked about him last week. I've talked about him on my social media. I've talked about him in my emails. I'm kind of obsessed with his book, Rescuing Our Sons, and he's coming on the podcast later in the spring. I'm so excited. One of the many nuggets that he shared during this webinar was how important it is to make sure your kids know that you are crazy about them. Do your kids know that? Do they really know that you are crazy about them? Do they believe that being crazy about them comes with the condition that they're doing the right things or succeeding or performing a certain way? Are you not sure? If you're not sure, ask them. They'll tell you. You'll probably learn some things about their perception of you, so be prepared. But I think when we keep our language strength-based, we really send that message of, hey, man, I'm crazy about you. You know, like, I love you. I love you no matter what. I love you 
even though you're going through this hard thing, man, this is a hard thing and it must feel so shitty to have me walk in here and say that, you know, your teacher called or the principal called and I'm just really curious about what's going on because I see you as someone who wants to have a really good life and I see your strengths and it seems like they're missing, right? What's getting in the way here? What's making this class hard or being at school hard, right? Keeping your language strength-based with your kids is so powerful, right? And here's some things you can do to kind of increase your practice here and increase your vocabulary around naming strengths, right? In your next family meeting, you like how I assume that you're all having family meetings, in your next family meeting, invite everyone during the compliment time, instead of doing compliments, invite everyone to name three strengths of each family member, including themselves. And if you don't do family meetings, then just invite it the next time you're all around the table. Normalize talking about strengths, right? Ian is obsessed with rappers and bodybuilders. I get to hear all about rappers and bodybuilders. And so my plan is to start sliding in the question of, what do you think that guy's biggest strength is, right? He'll probably mention an external thing like, well, he's got a lot of money or he can bench, you know, 375 pounds. But I'm gonna guide him back to like personal characteristics, right? And even if Ian's like, I don't know, or is unsure, like, what do you mean? It's gonna be a great opening to talk about personal characteristics, right? And, you know, to just plant those seeds for him to be considering and recognizing the strengths in others and, you know, connecting dots back to, well, what are his strengths, right? Because we want, I think, our kids to be able to really recognize what their strengths are. I think there's a self-worth and a value and self-esteem when we start to recognize like, no, I'm coming to the table with some stuff. Like I have something to offer, whether it's, you know, time to interview for a job or apply for college or whatever, right? Like when we know our strengths, we just, you know... I'm like sitting up higher and pulling my shoulders back. We can show up in confidence, right? And in that really healthy, attractive confidence where like, yeah, I belong here. I matter, right? And I'm gonna draw people in and towards me because I am grounded in my worth. I think that's amazing, right? Getting better at naming strengths also helps us with encouragement. We get to offer authentic, empowering encouragement when we say things like, thank you so much for your kindness. I know it meant a lot to your grandma to get that hug from you. And actually, I sent a text to my nephew just this week saying this. Thank you for your willingness to have hard conversations, right? Like I noticed that you are able to talk about your emotions and, you know, not everybody's comfortable doing that, but it seems like your emotional intelligence has really developed and that's gonna support you in relationships as you move forward. I notice how you get really invested in things that are interesting to you and you can really focus in, right? It takes a lot of hard work and courage to get your driver's license and you are doing it. You're so close, 
And this might not be how we're used to talking to our kids. So like I said, it's going to take practice. It's going to take commitment. It's going to take intention, right? Like every day I'm going to look for an opportunity to make some kind of statement about a strength that I'm seeing in my kid. Or maybe three times a week, I'm going to work on that and do it. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. And if it's hard for you to identify a strength right now, I encourage you to look a little deeper, pay a little bit more attention, right? Spend more time with your kiddo and get to know them better. Their strengths are there. And if you can't name them, how are they supposed to even know their strengths exist for them to lean on, right? And they really need to lean on their strengths, especially if they're having a hard time. That's what they're going to, you know, pile up and stand on top of to get out of this energetic hole that they might be finding themselves in. So there's that. And then there's also like our strengths. You have strengths, right? You're an incredible parent. You show up here, you take in information, you're learning and growing yourself. Like what are your strengths, right? Tell me about your strengths. Because back to guilt and shame and self-doubt, right? We get to grow through this journey by leaning on our strengths and developing them and nurturing them and remembering that they exist, right? And so how do we do that? How do we do that? It comes back to presence, I think. 
And Julietta does too. (laughs) She talked about this on the pod on Monday, right? It's that first move, recognizing, oof, I'm in self-doubt or I feel really guilty or I feel ashamed, right? Or I feel really angry or I'm embarrassed, whatever is happening. Like, wow, I am being flooded by an emotion that does not feel good. And then we get to soften, like, okay, all right, there it is. I feel angry. I like the word soften, you guys, because like when I think about that hit of anger, it's so tight and tense, right? Can I be angry and like pull my shoulders back and soften my front and uh, soften my jaw? Can I be angry? What happens to anger or shame or embarrassment when I soften into it? I let it be there, but also like loosen the physical experience of it. Notice what happens, right? When we soften, we can expand our experience and recognize, yeah, you know what? It makes sense that I feel this way. And it's okay that I feel this way. This is an indicator that what is happening, this news, this information, this behavior, it matters to me, right? That's what these strong emotions are telling us. This is something that matters to me. So there's a slowing down. We get to slow down to recognize where we're at, right? And then we get to be with it. Soften, breathe into it, slow down the accompanying thoughts, right? And man, our ego, and when I talk about ego, ego in this context is more about like that surface self, that surface self-talk versus the deeper, more conscious, more thoughtful self, the ego self, that self, it's not so useful. It's loud, right? It's loud and it's selfish and it's just obnoxious. (laughs) Like the ego is not so useful. So in this practice, in this process of like, okay, I'm feeling these feelings. I'm gonna slow it down. I'm gonna soften. I'm gonna recognize what I'm thinking. I'm gonna slow that down. Ego is like, oh no, you got to stay pissed. They need to know that you're pissed. They need to know, right? Anything that's they need to know is ego. Unless we're replacing it with they need to know how loved they are, right? They need to know they're not alone. That's that higher self talking. But they need to know that they did the wrong thing. They need to know how pissed I am. That's ego talking. So we got to pacify the ego, right? It's going to be okay. I'm safe. I'm having an emotional experience. Thank you, ego. Calm down. I can handle this. Again, releasing our shoulders, releasing our jaw, release the ego as well when I start to kind of adjust my body to be in a more present, grounded, physical state. I can kind of suppress, pacify that ego. And listen, For those of you who are listening right now who are like, here she goes on this woo-woo stuff and dismissing this as not important, how's that working out for you, right? Because presence and consciousness is everything. It's everything for all of the relationships in our lives. It's everything in our parenting, in our romantic relationships. If we are leaders in a boardroom, it's everything, being present and connected to self and able to separate from this overly 
emotional attached ego and drop into our higher self changes our lives, right? In all the places. So get over whether or not you think this is woo-woo and just stay with me, okay? Because if you are courageous enough to take a real inventory of how present you are in your life and make some adjustments, it will make a difference, right? When you start to look at your level of self-awareness, your willingness to be self-aware and make some adjustments and expand those skills, it's gonna make a difference in your life. Speaking of self-awareness, when I talk about self-awareness, I am assuming that you know what I'm talking about when I use that phrase, which I don't know how many of you know what I'm talking about. So I was on a call last night, self-awareness came up and somebody did mention like, I'm not really sure what that means, the practice of self-awareness. So I don't want to assume. Here's what I mean when I talk about self-awareness. It is that inner exploration, right? Self-awareness is being aware of why we respond the way we respond, why we believe the things we believe in, why we feel the way that we feel in any given moment. Self-awareness is letting go of being right and having the only valid perspective and dropping into curiosity and openness and possibility. Self-awareness is really the study of who we are. It is amazing to me how many people seem to be moving through life on that autopilot, reactive, bulldozer way of doing this human experience. It seems awful, right? I think it is so fascinating and so useful and so meaningful to take a look at how we are showing up in the world for ourselves for the people that we love, our partners, our kids, the people that we work with, our friends. I want to continue to grow and evolve. And we can't do that without self-awareness. Self-awareness is growing that outside observer. Oh, look, there I am getting really freaked out. This was me last night. (laughs) Speaking of self-awareness. So my 18-year-old, he went to hang out with somebody yesterday for the sunset. And he was like, we're going to watch the sunset and then I'll be home later. Later, operative word. Okay. So, you know, seven o'clock rolls around and I'm like, hey dude, you know, it's dark out. What's your plan? And he says, I don't know. When do you want me home? And I said, well, eight o'clock feels good. You know, you have an early start at school tomorrow. Calculus is your first class. You haven't eaten. Eight o'clock feels good. This is over text. And he says, how about nine o'clock? And I'm like, oh God, sure. He said, I'll come home. I'll be home by nine. I'll eat. I'll be in bed by 10. I'm like, okay. Thinking to myself like, yeah, we'll see how that works out. And then guess what? He was home 15 minutes late. And we don't have like a set curfew in our house. It's not a thing that we do, but we like talk about, well, what's going on? What do you got going on tomorrow? What makes sense? And then we land on something. Sometimes my kids don't meet that deadline. And there's not a ton of things that get me riled up, but there is something about that that just pisses me off. It's like a switch. And I just am like, my hackles are raised in disbelief and disgust. How 
dare you? We agreed to this. I actually wanted you home at eight, right? So I'm getting all like, oh, God damn it. And this is something we dealt with last spring too. So, oh God, I was so irritated. And I was like, okay, Casey, look at you. You're freaking out. Calm down. Calm down. The biggest thing is just to solve this. Like, what is the problem? The problem is he's not following through with what he said he was going to do. And I'm taking it personally. So I decided, you know what? And I'm kind of griping about it to his dad. I'm like, you know what? When he gets home, I'm going to just enthusiastically say, you know, tell me about your hangout. Tell me everything, right? Where'd you go? What'd you see? How was it? You know, and then I'm going to move into, so what do we got to do in these like micro agreements that we make on the fly about when you're supposed to be home? How can we make it so that you follow through with what you say you're going to do? And just knowing that I had that plan helped me when he walked in the door, be softer, And guess what? He did tell me all about his hangout. He was very open. And I love that, right? And I did go to, yeah, and this really bugs me when this happens, right? And we got to talk about that too. So self-awareness last night helped me maintain relationship while also, you know, working through some confident authority and having a tough conversation and feeling like, he was engaged in it. It wasn't just me raging on him. How dare you? You never follow through, which is not true, but would have been language that I used. And him just tuning me out and not having things be different next time. Instead, we were connected. We had a conversation about it. And I feel better about next time. Now, is he going to be on time next time? I don't know. Probably not. (laughs) But we can talk about it. I can move through experiences like that and in the end not feel guilty or ashamed that once again, I flew off the handle, right? It's like, I talk about the freight train, right? If you're new, you can go back to the summer 2023 shows. All the solo shows were me reading through my book. And, you know, I use this metaphor throughout the whole book around the emotional freight train. And like last night, The train was in the station. The train was like, all right, great, get on, let's go, let's go. And the emotional freight train takes you to that place where you lose your shit and you say things and do things that later on you gotta make right because you're out of your mind. You're letting your emotions drive. So the train was in the station idling. I could feel it. It definitely was enticing, but I chose something different, right? And it mattered. So yeah, I've kind of been all over the place today on the podcast. I hope this was useful. (laughs) I really appreciate all of you. Thank you for listening. So homework, right? And I want to say thank you to those of you in the Facebook group who are starting to respond to my homework prompts. It is so satisfying to go in there and see that some of you are like, oh, here's what I took away and here's what I'm going to practice. I think it's really useful in your personal practice of taking this information and then integrating it into your life to have this space of reflection. And it also serves to be really satisfying for me because I get to hear and see how you are making sense of what I'm bringing you. So here's your homework. What are your takeaways from this show? Like, what are the nuggets today? I know I kind of went all over the place that spoke most to you. 
Number two, how are you speaking to your child's strengths? And if that's new, how are you going to practice, right? And then finally, number three, what are you committed to doing to practice more presence and or self-awareness moving forward? So those are the prompts. They're going to be in the Facebook group when this episode goes live. So check the link in the show notes. I'm going to make sure it's in there. You can tap on the link and it'll take you straight to the post. And yeah, that's it for me today. I am so grateful that you listen and that you care about the content. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And if you have a little bit of time, maybe swing on into Apple Podcast, into the app and leave a five-star review. Let people know what you value from this show. I would really appreciate it. All right, that's it for me today. All the love, all the love, all the love. I'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening in today. Thank you so much to my Sproutable partners, Julieta and Alana, as well as Danielle and Chris Mann and the team at Podshaper for all the support with getting this show out there and helping it to sound so good. Check out our offers for parents with kids of all ages and sign up for our newsletter to stay better connected at besproutable.com. Tune back in on Monday for a brand new interview and I will be back solo with you next Thursday. Have a great day. Real truth alert, pregnancy, birth, and having a baby isn't all sunshine and rainbows. I wish it were, but the reality is that many people struggle and suffer through this time without the right help or even knowing what they're dealing with. I'm perinatal psychologist, Dr. Katayun Kayani, also known as Dr. Kat. My podcast, Mom and Mind, aims to shine a light on the difficult reality that so many hopeful and new parents experience and raise the volume on how we can better support mental health, which is a big part of our overall health. Episodes include personal stories from people who have healed through things like pregnancy and postpartum anxiety, depression, PTSD, and so much more. I also talk with specialists and experts who explain and educate on these conditions. All of this to support parents to know that they are not alone, that healing is possible, and there are resources that can help you today. Listen into Mom and Mind and walk with me through the world of perinatal mental health.